Welcome to the Unsweetened SIO podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsio.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this special summer episode of Unsweetened Sayo, the podcast, episode 22. And today I'm doing this special podcast because I turned 40 years old yesterday. I am sitting here on my lanai in Maui. I hope that you can hear the ocean um, behind me here or in front of me. Such a beautiful morning, about 7.30 here in Maui. And we stayed at this gorgeous Airbnb that you cannot beat the location. Our lanai or deck, you know, is right over the water, basically. It's just amazing. And I can't think of a more beautiful, sacred place to turn 40 years old. So I've been on summer hiatus, and I just thought I'd do a quick podcast to kind of talk about turning 40, what I've been doing this summer And then also what I have planned for the fall. I'm really, really excited about some of the speakers I've lined up for the fall and wanted to share that all with you. So first of all, happy summer. I hope that you all are having a really fantastic summer and getting some kind of rest and relaxation in, whether that's the beach or the lake or the woods, however you choose to restore yourself. I feel extremely lucky this summer. Um, Pretty much the whole month of July, I have been on vacation. It's amazing. Uh, We were on the East Coast for a week with my family in Stone Harbor, New Jersey, which is the Jersey Shore, and it was amazing. And then I went just myself for the week to the Outer Banks, which is just my favorite place on Earth, is if you haven't been to the Outer Banks... We recently have stayed in Nags Head, which I love, but growing up we also stayed in Duck. And there's so many areas um, of the Outer Banks, some more secluded than others. Nags Head is probably the most commercialized, but it's just so beautiful and peaceful, and it was just an amazing two weeks for me. And I also always feel... Um, The ocean is what really calls to me more than mountains or woods as far as restoring and refreshing and re-energizing. So anytime I'm at the beach, I just feel amazing. And so two weeks at the beach, home for a quick week to work, and then now back out to Maui, just my husband and I, and we're just having an awesome, awesome time. We actually leave tonight on a red eye but not before we get in some um, zip lining. My husband has never been zip lining, so we're doing a tour this afternoon, and it's just awesome. So uh, my birthday was yesterday, so I survived turning the big 4-0, and I am here to report, you know, the next morning that I don't feel any differently whatsoever. <laughs> um, maybe a little relieved that the anxiety or whatever, the pressure buildup of around actually turning 40 is now gone. 
you know, I had read somewhere, um, and I might have mentioned this on an earlier podcast, but that the year before a big birthday, like, you know, 29 before you turn 30 is actually worse than, you know, the 30 because you're anticipating it all year. So, um, 29 was my golden birthday. And I say that because I turned 29 on July 29th. So that to me is your golden birthday. So I was super excited about my golden birthday. It was also the year that I got married. So I was still excited about 29. So I didn't really feel that as much, but 39, I would definitely say has been a year where I'm like, oh my gosh, I turned 40. And what does that mean? And so, um, I have to say, you know, as I've said before, that of course, now that I have overcome my sugar addiction, turning 40 is a lot less scary and imposing than it was, um, you know, before when I was first starting uh, thinking about giving up sugar, which has been, I have now been sugar and flour free for a year and a half. It's crazy to me. So over a year and a half ago, you know, I started thinking about this and doing this, um, to me, 40 was just the number. I did not want to be addicted at 40. I just thought then I was probably going to give up for some reason for the rest of my life. Um, but I am much more able to embrace this new decade of mine coming in it really, really strong and feeling like myself again for the first time in years you know, truly feeling me. And this trip to Hawaii has been such an expression of that and of who I really am at my core. Um, you know, from snorkeling with sea turtles to cliff jumping. I mean, I love stuff like that. We found this awesome, we were doing a hike and, um, at the end of it, there was these perfect rocks for jumping into the water. It was really deep water, Um, so I wasn't afraid about hitting anything and it's so clear, you can see, you know, clearly that it's, um, deep enough. And that's something that I love jumping in off cliffs for some reason into the water. And that's something, honestly, if I had been where I was a year and a half ago, I probably wouldn't have done this trip, even though I wanted to, I would have been too, um, not embarrassed, I'm trying to think of the right word, kind of embarrassed about my body, but also just felt like a prisoner almost in my body where it wasn't mine, you know, and I just wouldn't have been able to get up there and jump because it also wasn't capable of doing the things that I like to do. You know, it probably wasn't as strong as, because it was a little hard. I had to climb up. Um, I jumped four times and had to like swim over and climb up these rocks and use a lot of upper body strength. My arms and shoulders are pretty sore actually, even like two days later, but I wouldn't have been able probably to do that a year and a half ago. So I like that, you know, again, number one is been getting rid of the addiction. Um, but as far as being able to lose weight and start having a physical body that better meshes or matches with my inner body and my inner sense of myself 
has felt so amazing. I finally don't feel like, you know, like two separate entities anymore, like the real me and the physical me. I actually feel like they have merged into one, if that makes sense. So now that same spirit that wants to jump in the water has the body that is able to. And that is huge. Um, And I know a lot of people out there that are suffering not everybody, you know, some people are addicted to sugar and at a normal weight, but I know a lot of people like me were overweight and not feeling very good about their bodies. And for me, that was my biggest motivation, you know, to give up sugar and flour was that I was just tired of being tired and overweight. Um, but as the process went along, and again, it took me almost five months to really start losing weight. Um, I realized it was so much more about the mental um, part of addiction that was so rewarding um, once I gave up the sugar and the flour, was no longer dealing with that like mental warfare and those thoughts of, you know, when am I going to eat that? How, how much should I eat of that? Um, you know, like, you know, for example, when I was on vacation, in the Outer Banks, there was a lot of cookies and sweets in the house. And it was just so much easier for me to be like, nope, I don't eat that. Then had a little bit and then torture myself. The entire week would have been fixated on what I was going to eat or not eat. And just this struggle for me um, of eating or not eating and how much I was going to eat. I mean, it just would have been miserable for me and would have been, you know, taken on my whole vacation where, um, you know, this year I just didn't sweat it. Uh, sure. You know, ice cream sounds really freaking good in the summertime. Uh, so did a lava flow last night. I thought, why can't I have a lava flow on my birthday in Hawaii, which is basically a pina colada, like a frozen pina colada with strawberry puree. I mean, if you haven't had one, it's amazing. Um, but I just also knew, you know, that it wasn't worth it. So it's not that I still don't have those moments of cravings, but I'm no longer compelled to the point that I used to be, you know, of not literally being able to go to bed because I would be, you know, have a compulsion to eat the ice cream that I knew that was in the freezer or whatever. So for me still, number one, um, has been this freedom from the addiction. And something that I learned a few weeks ago, I had um, mentioned before I went on hiatus uh, about, I think it was in early June, was the um, Kick Sugar Summit Science Edition. I hope that some of you subscribed and listened to it. It was such amazing content um, and exactly what I needed to hear at this point. Uh, I was kind of struggling a little bit with Um, just staying strong and sometimes feeling really alone. I think kind of giving up maybe any kind of addiction can be isolating, but especially something like sugar and flour, which so many people in our culture um, associate with love. And, you know, it's everywhere in family gatherings, get-togethers, you know, do you want to go out for a drink? Do you want to go out for a dessert? It's just really feels lonely sometimes when you're on this path. And it was so awesome to be surrounded by this community that is sees things the way I do. And it just really lifted me up. And these were all, you know, I was part of the Kick Sugar Summit success stories um, in January where just normal people like me, you know, told how they got 
got off sugar, but this was all science-based, so it was really experts from, you know, MDs to NDs, you know, naturopathic doctors, medical doctors, um, psychotherapists, people that have a lot of more degrees than I do and education, and also just people that have researched and really um, dug into the science around food addiction. And it was just amazing to see and hear these people talk about it and share what they've learned, you know. And some people were... Um, kind of initially addicted to sugar and that's how they got into it. But there was also a lot of MDs that, um, like Robert Lustig is a great example. Dr. Robert Lustig, he has a really good, um, if you look up, I'm trying to remember what the um, YouTube talk is called, but if you probably Google Dr. Robert Lustig, you'll find it. Um, it talks all about sugar and he's a, you know, worked with children and found all of these relations about sugar addiction and what it does even to kids at an early age, you know, so it's not something he struggles with personally, but has seen day after day after day in his career. So there's a lot of people that were like that too, that, um, you know, and I, I really, really think that's amazing because that has to be even harder when you're not living it. Like for me, it's so easy because I, to say, oh yeah, sugar addiction is real because I experienced it and I live it. But I think it's amazing to have someone come in that is able just to see um, and observe from their work uh, these things and seeing that, oh yes, it is addictive without actually feeling it themselves. So anyway, it's a whole range of um, people talking about from, you know, personal experiences or people just what they've witnessed in their clinical work. And it was really, really motivating. Um, so I am going to have a few of the speakers on my podcast. I'm super excited and hope to get even more that were in the, on that, um, kick sugar summit science edition. But one of my favorite speakers, um, I just wanted to share because one of my top takeaways was from Bitten Johnson, who I am going to interview this, you know, for the fall for the podcast. And she lives in Sweden and has done so much work on helping people overcome their addiction. And what she, her whole, whole talk, you know, is probably about an hour. And I was just nodding my head. Yes, yes. I was taking notes and starring things and highlighting things and just like, yes, bitten, yes. I mean, she just nailed everything on the head for me about how I was feeling. And um, she has a book that's really popular in Sweden. She helps people. She has recovery programs in Sweden and she's currently working on translating her book to English so I'm so excited that should come out this fall because I think that's going to help so many people and she does do um, workshops in the U.S. and I know she's doing one in Boston in October so I'll have make sure she talks about that but if you are listening to this and think that might be something that you're interested in it's just like a four-day intensive workshop around sugar addiction um, please you know send me an email. You can go to my website, www.unsweetensio.com and go to the contact page, send me an email and I can send you the information I have about it. I actually really wish that I could go. It's not going to work with my schedule, but I feel like I could still learn so much. Um, but anyway, one of the first things she said in her talk was that the word addiction comes from the Latin word enslaved. 
And that just hit home with me. Like I cannot, that sums up perfectly how I felt about, you know, my addiction to sugar. I just was enslaved. I mean, it was all consuming and that is just feels so, I can't even put into words how much better I feel like breaking out of those chains and not feeling that constant enslavement of, you know, mind, body, and soul. And that might sound really um, dramatic to some people, but I think anyone that experiences sugar addiction at a severe level, like I did, would agree that it is absolute torture. You know, you just feel like you're in chains. So, um, Bitten Johnson will be one of the people that I interview for the fall and everything that she's doing is just so amazing. So a lot of these people, um, on the summit too, were talking about like low carb, high fat diets. Um, some people were talking about sugar addiction, but it was, uh, all different kinds of speakers, like I said, and I just really resonated and listened to as many people as I could. My other big takeaway from this summit was that um, you can't, because a lot of people were, you know, suggesting intermittent fasting, for instance, or keto diet, and what all of them were still saying, what they had found, was that you cannot do, try one of these diets until you heal your addiction first. And that's my other big takeaway from the summit. And I think that is also so true. And what I kind of hit on early was that I was just going to give up sugar and flour. I wasn't going to try to diet on top of it too, because sugar and flour was going to be hard enough. And, you know, a diet is something like doing the keto diet or doing the whole 30 or the paleo diet or, you know, South Beach or Atkins or whatever. Those are all diets and they might work for you eventually but if you are addicted to sugar I totally agree that you have to heal the addiction first and I think how you do that is by giving up all sugar and all flour um, and everyone's going to be different of how long you have to do that for me I really didn't feel a big difference until about five months and I gave myself the full year. And by the end of the year, and probably even earlier, I would say probably by nine months, I knew there was no way I was ever going back because I just felt so much better. And even now at a year and a half, I struggle with things. You know, I don't even, I may be at this point ready. I'm really interested, for instance, in intermittent fasting. Um, and Jen Stevens is going to be, she was part of the summit, and I'm going to be interviewing her for the fall. Um, and she's going to talk about intermittent fasting in her book that's called Delay, um, Don't Deny. And I am really fascinated by this idea, um, or even about keto. But I also know I wouldn't have ever been able to do that in the beginning. But now I'm kind of thinking um, about other things that I might want to try. But if anything gets me off track from my, you know, being sober and free of my addiction, it's just not worth it. You know, if, if all I need to do is give up sugar and flour, maybe that's enough. Um, and so, but I had been kind of struggling. It's been a year and a half, and that's another thing I really wanted to talk about um, is the summer. Um, I was noticing that I was starting to eat a lot more tortilla chips and popcorn. And when I really narrowed it down, it was more um, 
like fried chips that you get at like a Mexican restaurant or Chipotle or, you know, any place like that, you know, where they kind of fry them too. And then it was movie theater popcorn in particular, which I know is terrible for you, both of those things, but I was still eating them. Um, cause again, as long as it didn't have flour or sugar in the ingredient list, um, or that I saw, I was still eating them. And, uh, I would try to do it though, um, moderately. And for a while that worked fine, but I had an episode, you know, probably early June where I was starting to eat and crave more and more chips and popcorn and was starting to kind of have that enslavement feeling about it. Um, and I remember one night I had some kind of like, I don't know if it was Chipotle or some kind of, you know, like Mexican food and I ate chips and then I went to a movie and had movie theater popcorn. And for the first time in, I don't know how long I woke up the next morning with a complete food hangover because I had both of them in one night, which I don't usually do. And I woke up feeling really crappy, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like, what is this feeling? Why is it somehow familiar, you know, and realized how many times with sugar I would have a food hangover, you know, from eating too much and then just feeling like crap the next day. Um, And that was another huge benefit of being sugar and flour free. Rarely do I get stuffed to the point of, I actually would like to say not even rarely, never do I remember getting stuffed to the point of having to like unbutton a button, which was a regular occurrence when I was eating sugar and flour and binging. But also I haven't had that food hangover feeling where literally sometimes, you know, it was worse than alcohol for me. I would be in the bathroom for hours like I'm never going to eat that again. And of course I always did. Um, So this was pretty big moment for me of, oh my gosh, I'm having a food hang, like time to reexamine, you know, like time, nothing's going to work forever or be perfect forever. And you have to really stay on top of things. So I decided that I needed to give up chips and popcorn for a while. And I started that, um, uh, on June 13th, actually, I wrote it down here. That was my first day. And that, you know, it's been since then. And I haven't had, you know, movie theater popcorn or fried chips. I'm still tempted by it, but I just decided to give it up all, you know, all together for a while. I'm not going to say forever, but possibly forever because really those aren't very healthy anyway. And instead I'm eating, I'm still eating, like I really like the late July sea salt chips. Um, I'm eating those at home because I don't overeat them, you know, because they're not fried. I don't know if that's the combination for me, the fried and the oil. I don't like, I'll eat some with salsa or guacamole, but it's more of just like a small portion and I'm fine. And same with popcorn that I make at home. I either air pop it and put butter on it, or I found this ghee popcorn. Um, It's the Buddha guy. I forget what that brand is, but it's made with, um, it might be like golden Buddha or something, but there's one that's made actually with ghee and it's delicious. Um, so if I do go to a movie now and I feel like I'm going to be hungry, um, I'll bring a little bit of my ghee popcorn with me because I just feel so much better after eating that. Uh, that was the other thing after eating movie theater, but popcorn or fried chips, I just felt kind of yucky afterwards, you know, not at first, it took a while, like 
probably because the sugar and flour was more important. But now that I'm eating a lot healthier and a lot cleaner, um, it doesn't take much to upset my stomach when I'm eating something kind of off. So I'm really trying to listen to my body. And it was really hard to give those things up again. Um, But now, again, it's been over a month, like a month and a half, and it's gotten a lot easier. And I still am able to eat my tortilla chips at home or popcorn. And again, I'm trying to do that very rarely. I was eating those not daily, but pretty regularly for a while. And um, that was just kind of a sign to me that I needed to make some adjustments. And so I've noticed that I, you know, since taking out the movie theater popcorn and fried chips, I am able to eat and enjoy the other things in moderation. So that's good. Um, But that was kind of a big thing you know, that happened to me in June that I felt pretty crappy about and um, really glad that I made that tweak. And so again, I just want to let you all know that no one's perfect. You know, even me, (laughs) who I feel like I got through this year and a half. Um, But I think it's something when you're addicted and severely like I was, I'm probably going to struggle with this for the rest of my life. Um, You know, I know there's some people that say maybe you can overcome it and go back to eating sugar moderately. But for me, I, that does not ring true in my gut as ever going to happen. I wish it would, but I just know that that for me is not true. Um, so yeah, it was pretty terrible having that food hang hangover moment and feeling bloated. I even had a headache, you know, um, and you know, just felt hungover. And I am so glad that, I was able to just recognize it for what it was for another kind of mini addiction and take action. You know, it was a lot easier doing that now since I have the sugar, not eating sugar and flour already behind me. Um, And I did have some withdrawal, which I think is another sign of maybe being addicted. You know, after having that the next day when I gave it up, I had a headache and fatigue for a few days and had those cravings of, oh, you know, let's get one more fried chip in there before we give this up forever. You know, that last, um, last supper eating, as some people call it, it's like, hurry up and eat everything I can before I give it up. And I had that like temptation, which again, I haven't felt in over like a year and a half. So I don't want to deal with those things anymore. Life is so much easier not having those thoughts come into my head. So yeah, I had the withdrawal and I just had to remember, get back to my simple affirmation, which works for me. And that's, nope, I don't do that anymore. I just don't. And done. So um, yeah, I wanted to share that in case, you know, you're somewhere in your journey struggling as well. Know that you're not alone and it's not going to be perfect. Um, you know, this, there's a lot of people and Bitten talks about that too, that a lot of people that fall off the wagon herself included, she has a really compelling personal story too. And, you know, those are lessons. You should take those as lessons to be learn to learn something from. Um, and I think that that's really, really true to, to recognize. So, um, here I am at 40 and feeling stronger than I have. I feel young at heart. 
I feel alive. I feel free. You know, I am so much more excited for this next decade than I would be if I were still addicted. Um, I feel good the day after releasing that anxiety around, you know, turning 40. Now I am 40 and I don't feel any different. So it's like, oh, okay, good. And I think kind of the fun thing about turning like a big birthday is my next big birthday isn't till I'm 50. So now I'm at 40 and I feel so young for this decade. I mean, I was old for my 30s, but for my 40s, I am so young. So that's what I'm going to focus on. And I truly do believe you're as young as you feel. Um, And I feel a lot younger now, which feels amazing. Um, And, you know, I'm still not 100% happy about my body physically. I think I should mention that, too. Um, You know, I've been working on my diastis recti, which is the abdominal separation that some women get after being pregnant or giving birth. Um, Although I've heard some elite athletes, like men can even get that from like forcing their abs, doing like sit-ups and other things too forcefully can cause that separation. But I've been using that every mother, which I think I um, have talked about in another episode. If you um, hadn't heard me talk about that, check out every mother, just Google it. Um, It's pretty inexpensive to do for a year, and it's like a daily workout routine that's basically different breathing exercises for 10 minutes laying in different positions, and it helps correct it. And I started at like over a four-finger separation a few months ago, and now I'm at maybe two. It's close to like one and a half, between one and a half and two. So um, I really think it's amazing how much that's been helping, but I still have a lot of like kind of loose skin and stuff in my stomach that, you know, might never be the same after four pregnancies and, you know, two C-sections. And my C-sections, you know, my children are only 19 months apart. Um, So I didn't have a lot of time to really, you know, heal my body um, between pregnancies. So I also am realizing that, you know, I might always have some extra skin. It might not be exactly what I wish for. Um, and that's just my body and that's okay. Like, you know, again, feeling a lot more comfortable in my skin than I ever have. Um, but it's still something I'm trying to work on in case it is something that can tighten up a little bit, but I'm trying to do it the right way too. And using the every mother versus doing all those circuits that I was doing, um, And then once the point with every mother is, I'm very close, I think, to correcting it. Once you get down to, like, one finger, there's a little, like, um, video you can do to even see if you have it and then how many finger separation you are. But then they have a program that's, like, the success program or something the next level up where it just takes it up a notch after you have healed it. So that's my goal that I'm working towards. Um, And just to probably these same exercises I see myself doing pretty much forever, too, just to um, help keep my stomach strong and keep those muscles strong you know um, prolapse kind of runs in my family Um, I don't know if you even know that this can happen but your uterus can prolapse which basically it means it could like falls out of your body which to me I was like jaw dropped like what why do all these things happen to women um And especially, I think, more at risk after pregnancy and C-sections. So this is something that this every mother should help, too. These exercises, strengthening your pelvic floor, 
um, and also helping, hopefully, preventing things like uterine prolapse. So that is definitely a motivation for me. Um, but yeah, so I'm maybe not, I see a lot of positive changes in my body. Um, but yes, of course, I wish, you know, I could lose maybe even just a little more weight. But if not, the other part is, if not, I am actually totally comfortable where I am and that's fine too so that feels really really amazing um <clears throat> the other thing I've noticed so we've been in Mali it'll be a total of four nights and I've had a little more beer since I've been here you know that's how I decided to celebrate <clears throat> my birthday just with like <clears throat> pretty light Hawaiian ale <clears throat> um like you know, I, I really like Hawaiian beer, and I've just been doing, like, the golden ales, which is really light, you know, even lighter than a lager. It's not, like, a real hard-hitting <clears throat> alcohol t- content. And I'll just do, like, maybe half a glass of a beer or a few sips. Um, but because I've had it a few days in a row, which I don't typically do at home, since coming back from um, Italy and having some beer, experimenting with alcohol for the first time since giving up sugar and flour. I realized wine wasn't really working for me anymore, but a few sips of beer was good. And, um, you know, I've had a few sips here and there, but nothing, you know, that was, um, like two days in a row where here in Hawaii, I've had beer pretty much every day and then sometimes a little bit at lunch and a little bit at dinner and it's kind of caught up to me now and I'm realizing okay that's enough excuse me and when I go home I probably will take a little break from alcohol for a while you know it's a little bit like it gives me a headache it makes me feel stuffy and for some reason it makes my calves cramp a little bit if I have just a few flights flights I mean sips every once in a while totally fine but it seems like more than that it starts you know accumulating in my body and it doesn't work for me so I know the idea of giving up alcohol is really hard for some people and I think that's something you know you definitely have to give up at first and then you have to just kind of play it by ear you know I think so many people that are addicted to sugar have a sensitivity to alcohol too I've never had an issue as far as not being able to drink in moderation you know I've definitely had periods like in my 20s where I drank a lot more than I do now but it was never hard for me to stop either um it was more that was a part of a routine like I might like a nice glass of wine at the end of the night or something um but I do think I'm sensitive to alcohol in that having too much of it just does not make my body feel good you know physically you know I might not be addicted mentally but physically it doesn't feel good for me so anyway um when I get home I'll be kind of adjusting that and probably going back to having a few sips of beer every now and again and yeah I guess sometimes I miss the social aspect of having a drink with people um but I also miss the social aspect of having dessert or a piece of cake with people too um but you just kind of get used to it and we celebrated my birthday with my family before I left and my brother-in-law has similar birthday time so you know my mother-in-law made him her special chocolate cake with buttercream frosting that you know I can smell it right now. It's so delicious. But for me, she made, you know, just had fresh strawberries in little cupcake holders and put candles in those. And it was perfect. You know, I enjoyed my cake, my strawberries, and everyone else enjoyed uh, my brother-in-law's. And, you know, it's just those first few times are a little bit hard. 
And of course I was thinking, mm, that smells good. Um, but I know how I would feel after eating it and it just isn't worth it. So the strawberries to me tasted really sweet and good. You know, that's something I've definitely noticed vegetables, like even broccoli tastes really sweet to me. Um, because I've kind of, I think reset my taste buds. And so I'm more sensitive to the natural sweetness of fruits and vegetables. And that's become really satisfying. Uh, we went out on a really cool dinner cruise, uh, our first night here. I'd highly recommend if anyone has, if you want to message me again separately, if you're going to Maui and looking for an Airbnb and then this, we did this, um, dinner cruise and yesterday we did a full day sail to Lanai and both were excellent. I'd, um, highly recommend each company so I could give you some information about that if you want it. But anyway, the dinner cruise was a four-course dinner cruise during sunset. Um, we sailed. It was amazing. And I just emailed them ahead of time and told them what my requirements were for food. And they were able to make the adjustment. You know, everyone else had, like, kind of chocolatey stuff for dessert. And they gave me this fresh mango that was amazing. Like, I didn't used to like mango. Um, and again, I think with my taste buds changing, it just, you know, these three small pieces of mango was so satisfying to me. Um, so I didn't feel like I was missing out at all. Um, it was really, really good. And I did that for my other tour yesterday too. Um, with the full, that was actually on my birthday and we were gone from like eight 30 to three 30 and they had a continental breakfast, but it was more pastry stuff and fruit. I knew that wasn't going to cut it for me. So I got up early and made sure I had a good breakfast of eggs, sweet potatoes, and avocado, which is currently my favorite breakfast. Scrambled eggs, sweet potatoes, and avocado. I mean, it just satisfies and keeps me full. And then for lunch, we were having like a picnic lunch once we got over to Lanai. And they had that catered. And I had told them I didn't, you know, it was like sandwich op options. So again, I emailed to say, don't do, can't do bread. And they said, oh, no problem. We'll just turn your sandwich into a salad. And that worked out really well. Um, I wish that I had brought a few more snacks because I was still kind of hungry. And they did have some potato chips, which technically, you know, I can eat. And I will once in a while, but potato chips aren't good for you. So I don't make a habit out of it. But mine, for some reason, the ones that I could eat that didn't have any extra sugar or flour or flavoring, just the plain sea salt ones, were really soggy. So I couldn't even eat those, and that was kind of a bummer because I was a little bit hungry. Um, so again, that was kind of shame on me, though. I should have thought I had apple and an almond butter packet and some nuts. I should have just packed those in my bag, and I didn't think about it. So um, anyway, that I think if, if you can you know, think ahead and try to be prepared. Um, these are things that I should know by now, but again, it was really easy to reach out to these companies ahead of time and make the adjustments. So I could still really enjoy these things without having the sweets. Now I have to say at the end of the day, I was pretty hungry getting back at three 30 cause I only had that, you know, salad for lunch at like 12. Um, they had brought around these like fresh plate of chocolate chip cookies. I mean, uh, that's probably one thing that I do really miss eating, <clears throat> but again, it's just so much easier to say, 
no, thank you. Um, I don't do that anymore and watch other people enjoy it. It just doesn't bother me like it used to, even though I can still think, hmm, that smells really good or that, that that would taste good. But then almost instantly, I feel like how my stomach would feel if I really did eat that. And I just feel so bad that it's easier for me just to say, nope, I don't do that anymore. So it's been a really amazing birthday in Maui. I'm 40 years old. I'm really opening my arms to this new decade of life where I'm feeling stronger than ever that I just feel like there's so much potential for some really cool stuff to happen to me. I really hope to be able to continue to share my story of giving up sugar and flour, of helping other people. I mean, that's really important to me, again, in any way that I can help people with their addiction um, any in any way that I can, and I will continue to see how that evolves. But I'm really dedicated to that because I just want other people to feel this freedom that I feel um, is such a gift. And um, as far as the fall, I'm remotivated, ready to return for season two of Unsweetened Sayo, the podcast. Um, my goal is to publish the first one Wednesday, September 11th. Um, and I will probably send out an email to my website subscribers just to let them know that it's there. And some of the people that I'll be interviewing um, in the fall that you can look forward to is Bitten Johnson, as I already um, mentioned, from Sweden. Um, Julia Ross, who is a psychotherapist, and she's the author of three books. The latest is called The Cravings Cure. And if you have not read that, I highly, highly recommend that too. She works with different amino acids to identify, like, if you're low in endorphins or um, serotonin levels. She has these different quizzes in the books to see what's causing your cravings and then has, like, an amino acid that matches that. And we'll talk, dig in a lot more about that with her. And it's something I've been playing with this summer too in anticipation of interviewing her is doing some aminos and seeing how that helps. So I can't wait to share that with you. So check out her book, The Cravings Cure. She also has um, a book called The Diet Cure and The Mood, Mood, Mood Cure. And she comes from a place of being a psychotherapist, which I think is really interesting um, to see the mental connect connection with sugar. Um, and she isn't something that she suffered herself from. So again, seeing and witnessing this in um, different addicts that she's worked with is pretty amazing. I also mentioned Jean Stevens, who will talk about intermittent fasting. Um, and her book is called um, Delay, Don't Deny. I think she's working on another book too. She has a great website. And I really was impressed with listening to her on the summit because intermittent fasting can be so intimidating to me, but the way that she talked about it and all the different ways that you can do it um, was really fascinating to me. I have a friend that's um, the only thing that she's done is the intermittent fasting and has lost a lot of weight. Um, and I just think, again, that this idea is so fascinating. Um, and I typically kind of realize I, I tend to eat between the hours of, say, 8 a.m., and even 4.30 p.m. Like, I like to eat dinner by 5 o'clock at the latest, which I know is really unusual. Um, but I kind of eat in that window, which I have found is kind of a natural intermittent fasting because then I'm not eating the rest of the evening or, you know, until breakfast the next morning. So, again, I kind of want to dig in a little bit more with that. 
And then I'm also going to be email or interviewing Florence Christophers, which probably many of you know. She is the co-founder of the Kick Sugar Summit. She lives in Canada and has helped so many people with overcome their sugar addiction. She has a great program. And since I don't offer, you know, a lot of people reach out to me and ask for some coaching. I am a health coach, but I'm not quite ready to do any coaching or program around sugar addiction. I don't feel like I'm strong enough in my recovery yet um, to really work with people one-on-one. But these are people that do like Bitten and Florence Christophers and have these amazing programs um, and have great community build up. You know, that was the hardest thing for me was doing this alone. And now I did, which, so it doesn't say you can't do it, but it's amazing to see, um, now that I've kind of opened up to this community, how many people are in there and how big the community is. And you don't have to do it alone. I think it's probably a lot more successful if you do it with one of these programs or support groups. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to, to Florence. And then I'm hoping to interview Mike Collins too, who is the other co-founder of the Kick Sugar Summit. Um, hoping to be able to get him on the podcast at some point next season too. He's so amazing. And what really struck me is that he and his wife decided that for their two kids, they were going to be sugar-free from womb to six years old. And I really want to hear how he did that because um, it's been, you know, my kids being five and four, it's really, really feels impossible um, to keep them sugar free. So I can't wait to hear some more from him. Uh, Again, hoping to interview him in the fall to get some of his um, thoughts on that. So I'm really excited. I will be doing more in the fall as well, talking about my personal experience. Um, I also am excited because I might have a partner to help me write my book. You know, I've been pretty honest that I feel it's a lot easier for me to speak than it is to write. And as I started trying to, you know, I have all this Um, all these entries written in my journal of the day-to-day for 365 days of giving up sugar and I'm just trying to figure out how to turn that into a book and I have an old friend that I'm reconnecting with that um, we are hopefully going to be able to team up. She is a writer and we might be able to come out with some kind of um, book together which would be really really fantastic Um, but until then I want to keep on talking and podcasting about kind of what my book would be about, you know, like, you know, the day to day and kind of dig into what I was feeling in those early months a little bit more and giving any tips that I can. Um, So I hope that you all will tune in in the fall. I'm really excited about all the um, interviews I have coming up and really hope to continue to inspire you and know that you're not alone. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing for me is that I've got you. You're not alone. I felt so alone a lot of this journey, and I don't want anyone else to feel like that. So happy summer, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and we'll be back soon on September 11th. And what I tend to do is um, release my new episodes every Wednesday. So Wednesday, September 11th will be my next one. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, and remember... Life is so much sweeter without sugar.